speeding? I am speeding. Here's a slate for you. Thank you. In case you want the video. And with that said, uh, welcome to another Opie Radio podcast, but also, I guess, the Smoking Tire podcast, yeah. because you're you're also uh, recording here. We're, yeah, we're going to share this one, right? Yeah, Smoking well, Tire podcast slash Opie Radio podcast slash Google Maps Voices. <laughs> Set this up though. We're in uh, the brand new Porsche that's not even available for the uh, for the peasants yet. Yeah, we're in Santa Rosa, California. Right. We are going to go get oysters in Point Reyes, California, which is where really good oysters come from. It's a forty minute drive from here, and I have a brand new Porsche, uh, Boxster Spider. Which uh, on, it's sad that we have to have the top up right now, but audio is audio, and so here we go. But just just so you can maybe get a little a little taste. tell you, Ope? What did I tell you? What did I tell you? If I don't have the thing, I miss the exit. <laughs> I just drove a hundred yards and missed the first turn because it wasn't talking to me. I wanted to go like the nice way. Yeah. And it, by missing that turn, it put us on the highway. So actually I'm gonna. So, so what I'm thinking is you don't want to be on this road because you'll go uh, a lot slower, hopefully. No, 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 it's not that. But, like, if we're doing a podcast and we're doing a video version of the podcast, at least for, like, my people, they don't want to look at a highway. They want to look at, Open like, a, a good road. And yeah. so if we're in this nice part of the of the country, like, we should look at, an, you know, we should do that. So I'm going to go back and we're going to go the other way that I wanted to go in the first place. Can I confess something to you? And it's the first time I'm confessing this to, uh, obviously, a lot of people. Because it's now on my podcast. That's exactly what I was going to confess to you, by the way. That I'm fucking petrified of being in a car accident. And that's why... That's why I don't like going fast in cars. <laughs> You're petrified of being. I'll tell you all why. the time. You're petrified of being in car or being in this car with me right now. You're petrified of being in a car accident. No, I trust you. I respect you. I uh, I know you'll do the right thing for me because you know I'm kind of uh, not bitch. a car enthusiast. Yeah, I'm kind of a bitch. But I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be uh, real for a second, if you don't mind. So back in around uh, 2000, I was uh, T-boned when I was up in Rochester with Brother Weeze. I've told the story many mm-hmm. times on the podcast. Remember this. Yeah. So that scared the shit out of me. And then yeah. in 2004, my dad was T-boned and did not survive the accident. I could see how this would be a problem. So with that said, and I've never admitted this to anyone really, I don't like um, I don't like being a passenger in a car ever. I, uh, I drive all the time. I, I don't even let my wife drive us for the most really? part. Yeah, yeah. I hate being a passenger. I feel, and it's stupid because you know, it's nonsense. But I feel like uh, if I'm in control, I I, uh, I feel safer. I understand that. There, that's a fairly like common thing, actually. Um, in general, I feel the same way uh, with with driving. I mean, in, in general, I trust myself to to do the right thing and uh, you know I practice driving and 
and I, I pay attention. I don't drive and text and whatever, but, um, my wife who is like, just amazing, you know, she tries to help. Like she knows I have to drive so much for work that like when we're, when I'm home and we're going to dinner or whatever, you know, she'll drive and, and she thinks she's helping and she is helping by, by alleviating, you know, alleviating for me. But, but when I'm not driving, I'm like, I'm co-driving. I'm like navigating, you know, and I'm like, uh, it's faster if we go this way and, uh, get in the left lane here because it moves faster. And she's just like, shut the fuck up. You're supposed to not be driving. I am going to follow the car in front of me and we will get there eventually. I I should add to this, by the way, that my wife's a much better driver than me. She hates my driving. Oh, really? So, so it's, it's complete nonsense. I would probably be safer if she was actually driving. So I just wanted to confess that today. I've never, I've never confessed that to anyone before, but, uh, especially the death of my dad, I, I I get triggered pretty easily. (laughs) I'm not, but I mean, I'm, you know, I know I'm in good hands and but I don't what are you gonna like, do? It's weird that that that, that it has to do with because it seems like a guy in a, there's a guy in a Cayman next to us gave us the old Porsche. Of What's up? That. Yeah, I yeah. What I find strange about that is it doesn't seem like at least you didn't you haven't told me the I don't remember the details of the accident in Rochester. I don't know the details of the accident. Your father did those t bonings happen because you were not driving? And if you were driving, that oh. then they would not have happened. Is that I mean? Oh yeah, no. Actually, I think we did talk about the Wheeze accident. I wasn't driving. I was a passenger with the airbags that went off. Oh, right, right. And then we saved ourselves and left our our ladies at the time in the car. We got T-boned pretty much uh, sideways. All four tires blew out. Almost hit a totem uh, totem pole. uh, A a pole. And uh, it was because Wheeze wasn't paying attention. And we were stopped in traffic. And everyone said, you could take the left. They waved us through. But there was a turning lane where this guy was just flying. And we got T-boned. And then when my uh, dad's accident... We lived on a very, very busy road out there on Long Island, and we lived around a curve. And it hey, didn't like cars come through your house all the time or something. Oh, we, I, we had many, many accidents. <laughs> we had one in the middle of the night where I remember being in bed. I was just a kid, and all I could hear was uh, it was a summer night, so we had all the windows open because we never had AC. We had fans, uh, and all I heard in the middle of the night was "Help me, help me, help me." And my dad went out there, and there was a car upside down on the, on the oh roof. God. And there was an electric uh, uh, line over the car. And my dad could have got electrocuted, wow. but he saved the guy. And then we had another one. We had a guardrail because it was it was such a turn. Yeah. I love telling this story. I know I've told it before on the podcast, but then I'll get your but reaction you as a car podcast. guy. Yeah. So um, there was a guardrail that was about 100 yards from our house because the town was so sick of cars flying, coming home from Huntington drunk and going off the road at this uh, particular Uh section into the woods. So they put a guardrail so they could kind of bounce off that. The problem was, though, they would bounce off that guardrail and then they would be directed uh, right towards our house. And we had a drunk driver hit our house going about 70 70 to 80 miles an hour. Like after, like, a hockey puck coming around the boards? (laughs) No, it it, it ricocheted. It bounced off. Oh, my God. this guy hit so hard we couldn't open the front door oh of, of the house. Now they gotta put another curved guardrail yeah, yeah. in front of your house. I've seen, you know, there was there's always a story like once a year you read it in the paper or something where it's like, ladies, you know, car goes through in ladies' living room for third time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then they have to put a big, <laughs> then they put like a big pile of like the anti-homeless rocks in front of her house. You know what I mean? But uh, let me finish the story. So then 
he hits the, he popped off a curb uh, that was like, we put cement all over the place. That was uh, one way my mom kept us busy and out of her hair. So we had a cement. I'm really good at cementing. So <laughs> the car hit one of our cement pads and, uh-huh. and bounced up about five, six feet. So he almost hit the second uh, level of the oh, house. Awesome. And then he tumbled and took out the windows on the side of my house. Oh, no. And there were pieces of his car all over our backyard where we played wiffle ball and whatnot. Oh my god, we and call then, that a yard sale. Yeah, yeah. When the, it's like in skiing, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. the parts go all over. Yeah. And then we go outside to, to, you know, see what the hell was going on. I think I was about 12 years old, if I remember correctly. This guy was staggering around our yard. He survived the accident, no yeah. problem. And the reason he was loose, right? Because he was wasted, probably, right? And the best part of this whole story is. He was going into Huntington because his friend was in a drunk driving accident an hour or two earlier, and he was going there to, 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 to see how he was doing. And then on his way back home from visiting his friend, he was in this horrific accident outside our house. That is crazy. Oh, oh we're good, we're good, we're good. Wow. Long fizz. Long fizz. about my experience. How, how fast were we going there? Uh, allegedly, I don't know. I don't know. Come on. I'm not admitting that. I'll tell you later. Was it, I just, was it uh, close to my record? Yes. Oh, all right. Wow. <laughs> but your record... My adrenaline... I just want to say something, that your record, for a man of your age, of some means, your record is pathetically low. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, oh, well... Can I, can I say what my record is? Yeah. Because sure. you didn't you didn't give a, a speed there. I didn't. I don't know. I, how it fast was, that was. We I talked about it on a past podcast yeah. up here in uh, Santa Rosa area. Basically, it was a Lexus around 110 miles an hour. For for the fastest you've ever gone, that's pretty lame. It's not that fast. I gotta be honest. Going as fast as you just did, my adrenaline adrenaline kicked in, but I also stopped stopped breathing. Oh, we get when we get down to Point oh, Reyes, no, we should no. find some corners. No, because it's like. Because going fast in a straight line is like, all right, whatever. But, yeah. like, it's really about the hand. This car is, like, this isn't actually, I mean, it's it's quick in a straight line. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. like, that's not what this car is about. This car is all about balance and handling and grip and, and braking. And, I mean, this thing has, like, this car has brakes that are bigger than the wheels in my old Lamborghini. Really? Yeah, my old Lamborghini has 15-inch wheels, and this car has 16-inch brakes, which is a huge, huge brake disc. And, and like, the Porsche just does, you know, it's it's all about the balance. <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be one of these days. Yeah, for those of you who are watching my video and not listening to Opie's version, he doesn't trust my audio recorder, so he's got to do this. Well... Well, I want to bring my own version home, but uh, then you just, uh, you know, conveniently just swayed back and forth uh, nicely for me to show the handling of the car. Thank you, Matt. I mean, I, I, I hope you enjoyed this today because I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. So then, to finish the story, throw up two days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> then the, uh, then we lost a lot of pets outside our house. They were always getting hit by uh, cars because. Um, we didn't believe in fences, even though we had six, seven, eight, sometimes nine kids living in our house uh-huh. and a lot of pets. So every once in a while, my dad would have to, you know, carry a, a dead pet from from the road. And then you fast forward a whole bunch of years, going back to the start of this uh, podcast. Um, 
the, it was such a dangerous turn on a busy highway that the rule in our house in general was do not take a left out of the driveway. Okay. Just do not do it. When I got older, you know, I, and I was a little cockier, I started taking lefts, you know. But in general, you know, my mom... <laughs> My just mom and dad. You, just to hear you say that. When I got older, a little cockier, I started making. Lips. I know. I know that sounds You're lame. Rebel. I know. I know it sounds lame, but no, no, it really was like you had to be on your toes because they came around this turn really fast. Yeah, it was a super blind, right? Yeah, a yeah. super blind, yeah. and and you know that was our fault too because we probably could have cut down some of our hedges and stuff and made it a little easier. So um, my dad was going to uh, just a simple lunch with some uh, friends that we've known forever. They picked him up. Um, it didn't. It didn't help that the guy driving only had one arm. He lost that in an accident, uh, like a, an accident at work or something, and threw machines or something. But he had one arm. But I mean, he was more than capable. Yeah. And he wanted to take the left out of the driveway. My mom was begging him, "Do not take that left. Do not take the left." And he was basically like, "I got this." And he pulled out and bam, they got T-boned. My mom. Uh, Wait, took- that's the. At- Right, your dad got killed in a car accident in front of your house. Yes. Oh my God. Now you know why I'm triggered. Oh, I didn't. It brings up so much. I didn't know that part of that story. I didn't realize it was right in front of your house. Like my mom took the the brunt of the crash. She had some broken bones and stuff. But uh, my dad was sitting on, you know, the back seat uh, opposite of um, uh, uh, the driver. And um, because he was on all sorts of blood thinners, because his heart was in bad shape at this point, oh. 74 years old, he took a couple hits to the head, and he probably would have survived, but because of the blood the thinners, blood thinners. Uh, you know, his uh, brain swelled, and he never came out of the coma. Oh, but what sucks gosh. about it is the fact that um, when the emergency crews came in the ambulance, uh, he walked himself to the ambulance, to the back of the ambulance, gave all his info, you know, my, his name, yeah. all this crap, and sat in the back of the ambulance. And by the time they got to the hospital, he was he was already uh, in really, that's, really bad shape. That's so fucking crazy. That's so sad. But, like, I, yeah, I mean, all right, now I'm not going to make fun of you anymore about the left. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. But I, I want to be honest. You know, yeah, what, no, what that, am I going to do? That's honest. So, that's, just, that's so wild that, like... All of that, like, you know, you make a rule and you, you know, and it literally is. It's like not following that rule that actually ends up killing him. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was because someone else thought they could take that left. So, um, that's fucking crazy, man. You just like established wisdom. (laughs) It really teaches you like established wisdom is established for a reason. Yeah. You know, like, I get, you know, it comes up in, in, in cars a lot when you talk about like, why is Tesla different than other car makers and it's for better or worse they tend to ignore established wisdom that makes their cars more interesting but it also makes their factory much crappier and stupider because they ignore all the lessons that were learned by people wait so what are they what are they doing wrong dumb it down just a little bit for me Oh, where to where to begin okay um but you don't have to go on on no i mean just just tesla tesla they sell a product that is different from other products, right? Other cars. They do what they do by throwing out of a lot of a lot of established norms. They position themselves as a tech company, not a car company, even though the only way you can buy their tech is by buying their car. Yeah. And they, you know, they tried to build a factory that was fully automated. And, like, they were like, well, this is going to be better than what everyone does, except it didn't work at all. And they had to, like, take the whole thing apart and put humans back in because, like, as it turns out, you need them. You know, so it's just, it's stuff like that where they, they um, in pursuit of the now, 
and in pursuit of the the glitzy new tech toy they can sell you and perpetually keeping the hype machine going, they ignore the boring, tedious nuts and bolts of actually building cars, which is not exciting, not sexy, you can't hype it up, it's not the next new thing, it's executing the thing you already hyped up and said you knew how to do. How many uh, working parts does the Tesla have? Well, so one of the things about electric cars is they have far fewer moving parts than yeah. gas cars, right? The the only real moving assemblies on the car are the electric motors, which is just, you know, magnets and wires and, you know, the you know electric motors, um, the, and the, the hubs of the, the wheels and the brakes. I mean, that's really... And the suspension components, you know, move up and down. But beyond that, they, they don't have a lot of moving parts. And so um, common sense uh, would dictate that without a lot of moving parts, they should need less servicing, right? And, and less maintenance. And in some ways that is true. And in some ways it is definitely not true. Um, they do a lot of software updates um, and they can do things, you know, just like you can over the air update a, a, a car, you know, the Tesla people will always be bragging about how, oh, the cars get over-the-air updates. They get they get better. They get they get faster. And and some of those things are true. They can add features electronically. They do cheeky stuff like making you able to play Tetris on the screen and stuff like that. But anything they can give you over the air, they can take away. Right. 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 And so Tesla is not in pursuit of longevity in their cars. They want to sell you a car now. They're looking at the first buyer and they don't care if that car lasts a very long time. They just don't. And they don't do the kind of durability testing that other manufacturers do. And they don't do the type of hardware constriction that other manufacturers do. Tesla doesn't have any special battery or motor technology. They're just willing to push the limits harder in that software because their durability cycles don't intend for the car to last as long as really any other company. Wow. Um, you know, I, I asked General Motors why the 2019 Corvette has a 720p data recording camera. Like, not even 1080? Like, what the fuck? And they were like, that camera has to be in direct sunlight in the desert of Dubai for 10 years and work. That's the durability cycle of that camera. And 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 I was like, but even my cell phone camera, and they're like, do you think your cell phone camera would survive the kind of treatment that this camera will survive? Like, not a chance. And so Tesla, for instance, they've got that big, big 17-inch screen in the Model S, right? That's not an automotive-grade screen. That's like a consumer-grade screen like you'd have on a computer. It's not designed to withstand the heat, the vibrations, the stresses of being in a car. And so what you're starting to see now are the early Model S's from 2013 and 2014 are starting to have a lot of problems because that hardware was really short-term functionality hardware. The reason Teslas accelerate so fast and the reasons their battery range is better than other cars is not because they have some magic secret that no one else can do. It's because they have ignored the commonly accepted durability requirements for batteries and screens and stuff like that that go in cars. 
And so if you're willing to go, we're a disruptor, it works fine. You know, they're just lazy. They're just slow. We, we move fast. Yeah, okay, partially true, but you're also ignoring a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff. And so, you know, I, I like driving their cars. Whenever I whenever I drive Teslas, I, I actually enjoy them. And so I find it it's important to separate how much you enjoy the product and whether or not you think it's a good product. And I think for the most part their cars are fine. But you know, no, the CEO of, of Porsche or GM or Ford or BMW, they, they don't like worship them like the way that people like worship Elon Musk. It's weird and creepy. Yeah, he's like a cult leader. And he's not it's not like he's that smart. Right. Like, he's he's very creative. He is smart. I'm not gonna say he's not smart, but like he's not the one who programmed the trajectory on the landing rocket. He didn't do that. He told some very smart people. We're going to work on a rocket system that can land. And then those very smart people were left to do their work. Quietly. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> but it is cool as hell when those rockets uh, oh, yeah. come back to the launch pad. Uh, and uh, Elon Musk has, uh, you know, his mom is really hot. Kind of hot. Kind she, of hot. Not yeah. kind of. She's, she's one of those old models where she's well into her 60s. Like the upper 60s right? with, the, with the all gray hair. And she's sexy as... That's all hell, man. I gotta say, it's uh, countryside. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It, it is beautiful. Um, a couple observations because, you know, Matt Farah from the Smoking Tire, he's filming this whole thing, and I'm sure he's gonna give me some of this video, which will be nice. Yeah, You'll see my petrified face. But as he's breaking down the whole electric car thing and Tesla, I I barely uh, uh, heard heard any of it. Were you just because watching the road? I was watching the road and I gotta say you're amazing. I would love to know what your heart rate is because you're breaking down the whole Tesla thing and uh, and, and Porsche and all this and and you're going around these uh, yeah I mean I know they're not hairpin turns but you know they're they're impressive turns and like it's nothing to you. I, mean, I, I would love to know what your heart rate is. I it's bet it's low. around 62 no, uh, it, beats it would a minute. Be low. Yeah no I, I, I don't have a lot of specialized skill in anything besides being able to completely separate my brain from driving. Yeah. And I can, I can like, I'm not going to do it now because it's wet and you're a pussy, but like (laughs) I could drive really, really fast and just have this conversation because I've just done it so much. Like I'm just, I, I was always like able to do it better than others. Like that was just the skill I was given and I'm very lucky that I can do it and other people find it very hard. Yeah. But like with practice and stuff, like I can go 80% of race pace and just talk to you like this. Well, yeah, we talked about it. I mean, you went from uh, Venice Beach all the way up here in Santa Rosa and what was it? Five hours, 45 minutes? 531. 531. Yeah. 530, uh, five hours, 31 minutes. That is un. It was a good Unbelievable. drive. Unbelievable. It was a good drive. Yeah, man. Um, I love those drives, though. That, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, such a, I'm, I'm an early riser. Yeah. And waking up, you know, you make that coffee, you get in the car when it's still dark, especially in L.A., because you can't fucking move in L.A., right? The, the traffic is, I know we complain about it a lot in L.A., but it's real, and it's horrible. And so, to, to enjoy L.A.'s freeway system... At four o'clock in the morning, with nobody on it, is spectacular. So obviously, a lot of car enthusiasts uh, get up real early to do just that, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know the 
where we drive in LA is, you know, people don't think about LA as being surrounded by this spectacular mountain range, which yeah. it is. And so all the roads that are, you know, up in the mountains are, are really, really beautiful. And is there, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, there's room. Oh, let's we're gonna do one. We're going to do one. Oh my God. We're going to do one. Relax. And then we'll do the other one in a minute. We have more visibility. I can't, you know, if we're making a video, you don't want, I don't want everyone to just be staring at the ass of a F-150 for 40 minutes, so it is what it is, but I didn't Oh, that's, it is what it is I love that, so uh, the Pacific Coast Highway, I've driven that two or three times in my lifetime Yeah, we're at the the, the PCH right now and we're we're north of Point Reyes and we're going to go head head south into Point Reyes National Seashore and we're going to get some oysters Very cool, but uh, when you're on the Pacific Coast Highway are you just really just pushing it around those turns, or what when I'm when I'm driving like at home or now? What are we? No, talking, no. If you d- d- when you go from LA to San Francisco and you do the Pacific Coast Highway, I- I'm sure you've driven the Pacific Coast Highway. Yeah. I mean, are you taking? Are you really uh, pushing around those turns? So, the thing about PCH is there's several different sections of it, right? So the very famous, awesome section is Big Sur. Yeah. That's like... I love that area. It's one of the best, most spectacular drives you could ever do. Um, but, oh, look at this collection of shitty used... I got an old Corvette here. I got a great Lincoln Mark 7. I like that, that Jeep. That beat Jeep. That's like for your beach house, yeah, right? I, I, need a, I need a beach Jeep. Right. Oh, and what's happening here? Valley Ford Market. There's a lot going on here. A, little, this, uh, this a bunch of bikers getting right. out of the rain. But, oh, this cheese place? Let's hit that up on the way back. I like that. Oh my um, God, we're we're almost antiquing at yeah. this point. So we're gonna stop and uh, <laughs> and do a little shopping in the countryside. So you got PCH up here that people actually use to get around, and it's beautiful, but it's more of a normal road. You have PCH down by me in LA, which connects LA to Malibu, and it's it's pretty along the ocean, but like super heavily trafficked. And then you've got the Big Sur PCH, which is really, really good. But it's always super slammed. So if you want to drive it, you have to leave south from Monterey at like 6 a.m. And really, and you'll have the best drive of your life. Okay. And you can really, and then you can push it. Otherwise, it's going to be like it is right now, where you're stuck behind vans and, and RVs and stuff. Oh, that's just that's too view. bad. I'll enjoy the view. That's just too bad for you. But I'm. I'm more of a enjoy the view type of guy when I'm on roads like this. Well, it's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a you can have both. Like if I, how much does it suck that we're obviously becoming uh, friends, uh, possibly good friends, and I and I'm not. I'm uh, I'm so disappointing. I, I, I would imagine. Give a shit, dude. I, I do you know how many people message me on Instagram, or whatever, and they're like. You ever want a, a dude to have a beer and talk cars with? Like, you think yeah. I need more of those people? Uh, like, uh, my life is full to the brim of have a beer and well, talk cars. Well, we're sharing this podcast. There was something I want to talk to you about that I heard on the Smoking Talk. Oh, no. It might have been the Watch Podcast with Carl. Yeah. And um, you broke down the difference between Anthony Bourdain and Guy Fieri, and I thought that was kind of fascinating. Well, there's the, the two key differences. The one that uh, Carl and, and Guy noted uh, when they did that awesome bit of radio with you is that Anthony Bourdain would, would not want to ruin the authenticity of whatever the spots was that he would go to. And so he wouldn't really tell people where they were or what they were called. Whereas Guy is like, I want this guy to make a million dollars. Everybody, go eat this guy's food, you know? And so... 
that is just a... So it had to be frustrating for the places that Anthony Bourdain went to because they weren't really getting a lot of business yeah. out, of, out of those shows, although some people figured it out, obviously. But, yeah, you're right, Guy Fieri's like, I love this place, you're going to love it too, come down and, uh, you know, eat here. And actually what I heard from Carl, and I think, I think you could probably confirm it, I think he said it more than once, was that that guy would have a team that would actually help prep these businesses for the inevitable rush of customers once the show aired because i guess there's like some real hardcore like triple d road yeah. trippers that yeah, go yeah. to everywhere yeah, yeah. and uh, i guess these people make money you know and and um and that's you know that's good um, I, I liked both of them i mean guy fieri did my show a lot and so did Anthony Bourdain. And me and Anthony Bourdain, you know, we hit it off. I, I, I found him fascinating. And I, I loved his TV show because of how it was shot. And he, I, I believe he was the writer on it or the he main was. writer, oh, was, yeah. the head writer. His writing skills were unbelievable. I don't think he was great on camera by any stretch of the well, imagination. But, they, but do you see, when you go back and watch the show, like I broke it down because I wanted to like kind of knock it off a little bit. I, and I mean that in a complimentary way. I've always tried to pitch this sort of... Bourdain style car show, right? Which is basically would be a show that explores people against a backdrop of food, right? The the and so we did a frame by frame analysis of his show, uh, literally by watching episodes and just writing down what he was doing. And so it's like fifteen percent brooding Anthony walking around and looking at shit, yeah. and like ten percent Anthony drinking beers by himself. Oh know? no, that. For most of the filming of uh, that show, it looked like he was simply right. hungover. Now I got another car question well, for well, hang you. Hang on, before we finish this, yeah, like no. the interesting thing about about Bourdain's show versus what Guy does, yeah, is Guy is really that person all the time. Oh yeah, and he doesn't have to write, he doesn't have to think, he doesn't have to analyze. He can, and I learned that when he did three hours of radio with you and Carl. I was like, oh my god, this guy is so authentic whereas Anthony uh, never really said anything poignant or controversial in the moment he always went home, thought about it, wrote and then it came out in the voiceover later which is just two different approaches you know. and I think Guy does his approach well and Bourdain did his approach very well but if either of them tried to do the other one's approach it definitely would not have worked out um, All right, I got a car question. Yeah. So we're on a very windy road, and uh, once again, your heart rate's not even going up, and I'm we're like, very slow. We're this is slow. Yeah, very slow. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Oh, you don't, I don't have care, to. You don't have to prove we're going slow. Trust no, me. No, but I. I but, but this I, is just I, not the point. Is going. That's so weird to me because I feel like we're flying. I'm such a rookie at this. But my question is, why? How are you so trusting when you get to a top of a hill with a turn that there's nothing on on the other side of that? Uh, one is I'm looking at our GPS screen to see if there's a bend in the road above the crest, like after the crest. So yeah. I always have my GPS screen where possible, like zoomed in to a, a certain, uh, you know, size so I can see what the road is going to do if around a blind curve. Also, I know a bit about road design. And if there was going to be a blind curve, there would have to be signage on a road like this. Um, and I just know that. And... Uh, I mean, there could be someone, like, riding a horse or something, I guess. Like, that yeah. could happen. But you have to trust that, I guess, a, another human would recognize that that's a sketchy place to be and right. not be there. Like, I, 
I, you know, you can't predict everything, but I, I like to stay focused and, and do my best. And All right. Um, and back to Anthony Bourdain, that guy, he was such a rock star. He was a recovering uh, heroin addict. And uh, you you have a friend that you want to introduce me to that has a theory on, like, ex-addicts. Oh, yeah. So my friend Christian uh, James Hand, who does the cool one of the coolest things I've, I've like, ever seen, which is that he deconstructs rock music um he gets the original like master tracks uh, the stems and so he breaks it down like with historical context so you listen to you know just the baseline of bohemian rhapsody or whatever oh, wow. but it's not just listening to the baseline it's also learning about uh the bass player which i think was deke De- uh, roger deacon right I think so, um yeah. and or or in whatever it was you know he gives he gives uh, a detailed analysis of the song track by track and also the circumstances surrounding its creation it's fucking great and he does it live on the radio on KLOS in LA and he tours LA New York and San Francisco and does them live you should, I'll, set, I'll get you set up in one in New York I, I would love to talk to that but guy his, he's been in music forever right he was a touring musician with um um what was it fucking uh it a uh, PM Dawn. He, pay, he oh, played okay. in PM Dawn, and he played in uh, with the RZA's side project, the Grave Diggers. Remember that? He was in Grave Diggers. He's a white guy, mind you. No kidding. Yeah, and um, he's so interesting. But he has a theory because he he knew Chris Cornell, and he's been around a lot of like heroin uh, use and, and and those types of, of, of depression and issues and stuff like that. His theory. Uh, which I think I don't I don't have any scientific evidence to back it, but he said so for ex junkies who are staying sober, the only high that comes anywhere close to heroin is autoerotic asphyxiation. That's that's and and I mean obviously the, the the people who have hanged themselves, Chris Cornell, Anthony Bourdain, you know they they had demons, you know what I mean, but. The circumstances in which they hung themselves didn't quite line up with a suicide. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, Anthony Bourdain was going through some shit, but he was also, like, you know, living living quite a life and 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 and, and by all accounts doing well. I think yeah. you know. And Chris Cornell seemed it seemed like it was kind of the same thing. And so this was a theory. I don't have any proof, but... I, I know Vicky just a little bit, so yeah, I'm here to say we don't, we don't know for sure, but the theory is that a heroin addict still wants to f- fucking feel, and the only way they could feel sometimes yeah. is to do do that activity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... I've never done heroin, but I've done some serious, some serious drugs before. What's your most uh, serious drug? The most serious drug I ever did was DMT. You did? Yeah. Oh in come on! College, I did DMT. All right, uh, I'm, let's seg right into that. What what is that experience about? It's a my canon has talked about this too, so yeah, I want to hear it's what. It's a total dissociative experience, meaning you mentally, you basically exit your own body. Like you, you like I was like in a you know a college off campus house at the time, and I was like sitting on my friend's couch, and you basically, you know, you smoke it. It's like a little bit of white stuff that you smoke. Uh, in a bowl with some weed, right? And it hits you like a fucking ton of bricks. And you, you basically, at least I, I don't, I can't say you, but I pretty much exited my own body 
and was in the room like above everything like I basically was like flying around the room and like looking down at myself a lot of self doubt a lot of like clean your fucking act up and insane visuals like remember in um in Spaceballs where they go to plaid the whole room went to plaid the whole everything like people The, the plaid texture went over beds and people and desks it was crazy and then there was you know you under you immediately understand the universe and then you kind of come out of it with what do you mean by uh, understanding the universe I'm, like every, I'm fascinated everything is a circle you know everything is connected and yeah. these molecules were part of you know whatever and and um and and then it and then it goes away and you just wake up and you're just like Whoa. How long have I been gone for? And you realize it was 15 minutes. And you're like, wow. It's just a 15-minute trip. It's 15, it's, it's 15 minutes. It feels like hours. So here's the question. Um, when you came back to, you know, reality or whatever, um, after that experience, did your life change? Did you feel different about life no. or the universe no. or... No, it was not... It, it didn't scare it didn't the shit out of you. I didn't ever do it again. I decided that one was sufficient. <laughs> right. Oh, look, ocean. Here we are, Point Reyes. Gorgeous. So we're just going to stay on this road and there's a beautiful little oyster restaurant down here eventually. It's a few more miles up the road. Nice. Um, oh, this fucking view. I love this part of the country. It's so pretty. I love it. It's so pretty. I would rather be uh, looking at this view with my wife, but what the hell, me and Matt Whatever. doing a little antiquing on a on a country highway and having oysters, so our dicks are nice and hard later. What? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, DMT was the, was the hardest. The hard- I did some, I did a little acid. I did a lot of mushrooms in college. I, I, I did too many mushrooms. But... I enjoyed mushrooms. I did a little bit of that. Yeah. I, I dabbled. Mushrooms are, are a really good thing to have some knowledge of and. Try a couple times. I was in a fraternity. One of my uh, fraternity brothers was really into the acid and Black Sabbath at the same time. <laughs> and we would be walking up um, Center Street back to the fraternity house there yeah. in Geneseo at like 2, 3 in the morning, you know, after the bars closed. Yeah. And he would be burning Bibles in the middle of the street. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Worshipping Satan. <laughs> oh, my God. Like on acid? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we were like, hey, Paul, what's going on, man? Well, I mean, it was so. You guys got any extra books? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't phase us at all. And uh, this guy, he's, he was probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life, too. He was a he. Uh, he read a lot of yeah. books. And then the last I heard, he went to a foreign country to, to uh, teach English, I believe. And uh, you know, he got out of that. Worked out for him, okay. Well, he got out of that that whole thing, but he went through a period. It was crazy. That's wild. I, I had some friends in college that got real deep into the hallucinogens you know I had one friend in college dude oh my god I had this guy who went he had the worst ADD I've ever seen like his ADD was so bad that acid calmed him down Wow. like you know how, how like if you don't have ADD and you take Adderall you get like but if you do have ADD and you take Adderall it helps you kind of focus his ADD was so bad that acid would make him normal. No, no, I know this because Mike Cannon, uh, Mike Cannon turned me on to it, and it's becoming a thing. Microdosing. The microdosing. And they give you just a tiny bit of acid, yeah. uh, you know, not like what your friend was doing, but a tiny bit, and you barely notice that you're actually on it, and, yes. and it's been helping, I think, depression and, and other anxiety disorders. So here's one of the places I did look at, Nick's Cove, but it's not the place that 
that I've been before. We're going to keep going and see if we can find the place that I've been before. Okay. Which I really liked and I think is a little further up the road. And what are we, just eating oysters? I mean, they have other food, but like the oysters are kind of what they do here. It's sort of the thing. Look at these houses. Those right? are rad, aren't they? Man, I know it's a visual, but... No, it's like, like little houseboats right on the water. Cabins down like on stilts above yeah. the water. That's rad. I love that. That's awesome. No, I, mean, weed, I, I went weed to makes me not an asshole. That's pretty much I, I I weed is my thing, and it's and I and I actually find it is. I'm taking more into weed and getting away from alcohol. I, I think yeah. I, I I don't alcohol is just. I think it's just evil, really. <laughs> I really I really do, man. It, it, I mean it. Oh, it's hard because like. That's I, love, said, I that's... love wine. I love wine so much. I oh, love do the you? taste of it. Yeah, I love. I love. I love the the nuance of it and the way it works with food. Yeah, I love that shit. <clears throat> but I'm definitely getting over drink the rest of drinking. Like being in a bar, like I'm not into anymore at all. No, no, no. This this world drives me nuts at times because we're finally getting to the point where we're legalizing weed, and it, any uh, any thinking person will tell you that alcohol is way worse yeah. than weed and always has been. Yeah. But the stupid fucking government couldn't figure out how to make that weed thing work, but they they were able to obviously make the alcohol thing work. Yeah, it's well, it's insane it's, how it how much worse alcohol is than weed. It makes me really happy, at least where I live. I mean, okay, they haven't quite figured out the taxes thing yet in terms of what how to how to like theoretically the taxes on weed in California are going to help kids, but like, fuck does that mean? I don't. There's no there's no accountability of it, but in general, like. It's so civilized to have weed be legal. Yeah. It's so civilized. Yeah. And like, I'm out of weed. I'm going to go to the store that sells weed. They take credit cards. Like, yes, let's, this is, you know what I mean? Like, they employ people who have health insurance. You know, like, yeah. let's get this out of the fucking streets, out of the gangs, out of the whatever. Like, you could end the war on drugs if you just, like. Well, we're a couple hours from Humboldt uh, County. Did you yeah. see that documentary? Uh, no, which one? It's about the whole weed trade and how it, <laughs> how it started in Humboldt, uh, you know, county, and it was an honest living for the people up there and the way they they made their money and um, you know, but then unfortunately it was a lot of hippies and earthy people and then and then all the gangs uh, you know came into Humboldt uh, county and there's a lot of missing people up there because a lot of people were getting killed over the weed yeah, trade. They were like but then they legalized the farms, it. right? Yeah. yeah. And then they legalized it and a lot of the old timers like it's even worse because they legalized it yeah. and they would rather have it how it was back in the day when it was illegal. So the the the, the problem with the legalization is and it well, they'd said because the government's, you know, getting their greedy hands involved right. way too much. Right. So when they could grow in Humboldt in sort of the gray area, right, the medical area. Yeah, yeah. There was let there was not very much oversight to what they were doing, right? And so, yeah, they sold to the medical dispensaries in L.A., but they would also sell to like dudes in Oregon and dudes in Idaho and like neighboring states and like other places, right? Which is obviously illegal, but they got away with it very easily. Now that it's fully legal, the licensed farms are only allowed to sell to licensed middlemen right, and right. licensed dispensaries. Yes. So they've reduced their possible market. Yes. There's a glut. Like, wheat, wholesale weed right now is comically cheap. Like a, like in college, I would pay four thousand dollars for a pound of weed. This is we're talking about two thousand two. Today in Los Angeles, a pound of weed, 
that surpasses that quality is 900 bucks. No kidding. Uh, my weed is free. Yeah. I don't buy weed. My friend sells weed, and it's free. It's so cheap. He comes over. I cook dinner. Here's weed. I, ne- I haven't paid for weed in years. That's awesome. And and The old barter system. But get this. If I go into a store to buy weed, that eighth that I'm buying costs the same as the eighth in college 17 years yeah. ago. So the wholesale price is less than 25% of what it was. The retail price is the same. So... So who's getting all who's getting all that? You know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out how to get my edibles home that you bought me, which was very nice of you, Matt. Very nice. This is not a legal opinion, but let me just say that of all the airports in the nation, there is no chiller airport to carry weed through than SFO and LAX. Those are by far the chillest airports to exit with weed. I finally came up with an idea, by the way, because oh? at uh, Guy's Grocery Games, we were trying to find gummies because... Uh, at that taping, it was amazing because guy was basically saying, "Grab whatever you want in the in the in the grocery store because it's all real stuff there." I couldn't believe yeah. how real it was and how stocked the shelves were because, like we we said, I, I really thought that it was like a facade. There was yeah. just only one, but no, it's stacked all the way to the back yeah, no, of the shelf. The shelves would have like yeah. one bottle of sauce yeah. and then a cardboard thing yeah. behind it. Like, no, there's twenty bottles yeah. of sauce there. And, and another th- uh, thing that makes Guy Fieri, uh, Fieri, excuse me, such a great guy, donating food left and right yeah. because he's, he needs the meat and the produce to you know so it looks good this when filming it. the show. Nice, Paul uh, Island Oyster Company. But the, but, but the stuff gets old fast, so um, you know every day he's donating a ton of food to uh, all sorts of um, charities. This place is packed right now. Wow. Oh, wait, what was they saying about? Uh, oh, 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 oh sorry, I, so I got an idea for the. Uh, for getting the gummies home. Hey, buddy. Hi. What do you think? Where should I go? You guys have uh, reservations? No. Do we need them? Are you picking up or trying to sit down? We were we were planning on sitting down. Is that going to be an issue? Yeah, it's completely booked today, oh. unfortunately. But oh. there's um, Tony's a little bit further down. Is Tony's there. good? Exact same food. Same Great. Food. Great. All right, we'll go to Tony's. Thank you, buddy. Um, the grocery store, though. Appreciate it. Guy's Grocery All right, man. is... Oh, so the store is amazing, yeah. okay? Guy and we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about TV production for just a second because I, I have a background in it. Guy is the showrunner. Yeah. I didn't realize that yeah. Guy was the showrunner. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, even if he is like the alpha or whatever, like the most high powered guy, the the host and the EP, the host is almost never the showrunner. And the showrunner, for those who don't know, is basically the guy who runs the whole set. Like, all right, now we're going to move over yes. and shoot the next bit. It's like it's the director frames the shot, but the showrunner sets the set. And so he's doing that while hosting, while these guys are cooking, and while, like, yucking it up with the audience and the crew. And then, by the way, the crew is slick. Yeah, they, they, they have clearly been working together for a very long time. And they do not need a lot of direction about what to do. There's not a lot of yelling. There's not even really a lot of discussion. It's very fluid. Well, it's fucking pro. They're well, so pro. Well, I was talking to one of Guy Fieri's uh, producers, who's a friend of mine now. His name's Jesse. And uh, when me and Anthony were very, very successful, we had a lot of TV meetings. And I think it's really smart that Guy Fieri is controlling everything from top to bottom. Because the one thing about doing TV, you don't really get to be yourself. Yeah. And, and he knows exactly what he wants the show to look like uh, and, and what needs to be done. So I, I'm surprised more people aren't doing it like Guy Fieri does it. Um, I, don't, I think you have to 
you have to be uh, kind of a somebody to do it that way. They, yeah, they, no, most people, yeah. they wouldn't just let you Yeah, do no, that. I understand yeah. that. But I, I, uh, TV never excited me for that reason because it was so structured. Yeah, yeah. So, like, no, that... That sounds like fun and all, but no, we're going to try to do this today. And it just, it wasn't natural for me. It wasn't like, uh, yeah. it, I, I love improv and just trying to make things up as I go. Um, maybe I should have more structure. I don't know. But, um, uh, d- 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 so the gummy thing. So we, at uh, Guy's Grocery Games, we were looking in the candy section for some gummies. And then I was going to, you know, switch yeah, out yeah. Uh, some edibles. So now I got, I, I figured it out. So I have a dirty old uh, book bag that I carry, uh-huh. you know, when I'm uh, when yeah. I'm traveling. I'm going to take it out of the packaging and yeah. I'm just going to put it at the bottom of the book bag like it's just some old gummy. Bro, you are <laughs> overthinking this so much. Well, at, first off, when you started asking about repackaging, I asked one of like the PAs I on set. That. I go, hey, do you guys got any gummies yeah, around? Yeah. And she goes in the radio and she goes, uh, we need gummies for Matt uh, on set. Okay. And I was like, stop, stop, no. Right, right. And I was like, I don't really want gummies. And I was like, please, just stop. And then she, she came up to me like, I went outside or whatever, and I, she came up to me like 20 minutes later. She's like, we're still looking for the gummies. I was like, I was like, I got to tell you why we want the gummies, and yeah. then you're going to stop looking. I was like, my friend wants to disguise weed gummies as gummies. She's like, oh, really? And he fixed the gummies. <laughs> <laughs> And she was like, tell him to stop being a pussy and just to put him in his bag. I was like, ah! She said that. Oh, that's all right. Good for her. I deserve that. OP Radio. All right. So we're sitting here. You, you got to explain exactly where we are again. We there, are Matt. at in Point Reyes, California, which is on the Pacific Ocean, sort of on a bay. This bay is like one of the best oyster gathering places in America. And there's little restaurants along along it that serve oysters. And we're at the Marshall store, which is where I came uh, a couple years ago to eat oysters. And we're going to have a Point Reyes oyster. What does that taste like? Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> it awesome. really is. Like, it's I'm so, so happy. It's so good. I love oysters. <laughs> You're going to absolutely love it. <laughs> you just lost so your mind. I love it. Oh, I'm so happy. That's so good. This also reminds me of my uh, my dad because on Long Island, we used to have... Oh, that's a lot of mignonette. You went at it. Yeah. Uh, part of the paint. Well, because I'm trying to podcast and, you know, and suck one of these do down. What Isn't that nice? My God. Isn't that good? Beyond reproach. So fresh. Mm-hmm. We're we're uh, ruizing right now. That's there, like, Matt. They were we can we're sitting above where they were just taken out of. They are so fresh. Oh my <laughs> god, that's worth the drive, right? Yeah, absolutely. This uh, and it reminds me of my dad because on Long Island we used to have clam shacks mm. all uh, mm-hmm. around uh, the North Shore of Long Island, and they they shut them all down. I think stupid health uh, violations or something. How because people do you really love them. The first guy to eat an oyster was. Yeah. <laughs> I talk about try, that all the, the first time. Guy to try one of these things must have been starving. Humans had to try every single thing they came in contact with. Albert, you know, you know, there was one that basically tried horse shit. Yeah. It's like I, you know, you you got to at least taste it before <laughs> before you say uh, we're we not going to eat it. How will we ever know? <laughs> right. right. That's my whole bit. You know, they looked at a lobster once. There's no way if you look at a lobster, go, man, I think that could be tasty. Well, it, yep, Greg. Oh, Greg H. Greg H. We got the tri-tip sandwiches coming. Yeah, that, I guess that's Thank a you, local sir. favorite too. Right. Thank hey, you, sir. This was the best non-seafood item that you guys make here. It is the best non-seafood item we make here. Perfect. The oysters are actually the better non-seafood item. The oyster. <laughs> oh, he's giving you a little. Wait, what? I don't know. I guess it, I guess that's some local Try humor because he, he just uh, gave you a little jab to your ribs after mm-hmm. his uh, little attempt at humor. Mm. Mm-hmm. But uh, wow, that is really nice. Really nice. Yeah. 
like I say, this is um, this is a good afternoon. This is a good way to spend our time together. I think. Yeah, we we got away from uh, you know talking about Carl for a minute. <laughs> it's, it's important to do that because yeah. I guarantee Carl would be like, "All right, Just enough already, enough." Harry? I also think he would be ashamed at how little we've capitalized on his death. Because <laughs> right. I fucking die and you don't even cash in. <laughs> I think it, after what George said at the end of the last episode of the Opie Radio podcast, uh, it was like, okay, nice, mm-hmm. right? Cap it off. Nice. Yeah, he capped cap it, it off perfectly right. at but the now, end of that. Like, but now you and I are going to have to be friends without him. Yeah. Which is a, not like it's going to be hard or anything, but like you have to decide, like, which of these people, you know, do you continue on with and which of the, where, where was, where was Carl the necessary glue? Well, I, I said it to you. I mean... You know, we did those yacht casts. Uh, Carl's like, uh, man, Matt's been dying uh, to meet you, and, uh, you know, I think you guys would get along. And uh, we did that whole yacht thing, yeah, which was an right. awesome day. And I felt like we he became right. I felt like we became instant friends yeah. that day. And we're still going to do the Hudson River trip. Well, that I'm dying to do that one. I thought at the end of last season, <laughs> my mom was like, could you talk for like a minute so yeah. I could... At the end of last season... You know, how, you know proper... Yeah. Uh, I've used these before. Okay. At the end of last season, um, my mom was like... We thought she was going to make my dad sell the boat because she hates it so much. She hates going out on it. She's not into it. And she always has to deal with the repair guys and stuff. So she fucking hates it. And um, But they ended up actually moving, moving to a, houses... And uh, the, there was a compromise made, and the boat is staying. So, so we, we lived right. lived to fight another season. <laughs> the, that boat is awesome. Oh, it's the best. I'd ha- I would be so bummed if we got rid of it. Um, when you come see me in L.A., I'm a member of the the sailing club in L.A. So they have boats. There's like 20 sailboats. You check them out, like 40 foot sailboats. We go out sailing. Wow. Which I, I given the choice, I'll sail ever any day. Right. I love sailing. That's like I could sail before I could drive a car. And so I'm um, sorry I'm chewing. But no, no, it's okay. I, um, I, 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 huh? The pickled carrot is great. I'll try the pickled uh, carrot. No, I, I love, love being on the water and the ocean, and in a sailboat because you don't really hear the engines or anything. I mean, there's no engines, obviously, and you just hear. I mean, you're just out there with, with the waves and the and the wind. Oh my God, it's nothing so peaceful. Like it. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Um, this is gonna sound awful, awful snobby, but like, I discovered chartering boats a couple of years ago it's yeah. like a form of vacation it's actually if you know how to sail and it, it's, it's actually not as expensive as you think we went to thailand and we're going to tahiti this year like such a great way to see a country by by boat wait so you fly in obviously fly in, and so then pick up a boat they have there's companies that charter the boats and then yeah. you go and, and you, you sail away wow yeah how's the sleeping quarters and all that not bad, not, not bad right no, not bad no i mean we're getting a, a 48 foot catamaran it's got four, so it's four couples four cabins four four bedrooms four bathrooms it's got like central air and, and heat and all the stuff you need and it's great it's so nice dude mm. like these sandwiches these sandwiches are so good that's sick no. I need a napkin soon yeah hang on pause podcast I'll go grab napkins we're back in the uh, the Porsche I'm hanging with uh, Matt Farrer from the Smoky Tire, which is a great podcast. The, well fed. The oysters were awesome. The sandwich was awesome. Uh, we had to cut our trip short because uh, Carl decided we were having too much fun and decided to make it rain. It'd be what it'd be. Uh, we were finished with the food though. Those those oysters were so good. When in when in Point Reyes, you must have oysters, and 
what we're doing now is driving back to town. Uh, allegedly, we're going to go to some sort of a barbecue at Guy Fieri's house, which is pretty Yeah, awesome. man, he's having a housewarming party, and uh, we, we got the big invite. And, and I... <laughs> No, can we talk about the text? The, the text you just got? Can we talk about that for a second? Hey, well, you want a humble brag? Yeah, no, I don't want. I don't want a humble brag. I want a brag. <laughs> I, I introduced uh, I introduced uh, Matt Farrer to Guy Fieri, and you know, and he checked out the Porsche. He thought it was pretty cool, whatever. But uh, he certainly has a lot of cars, and he told us he's more into the muscle cars. Checking out the Porsche. What he said was, I said, Guy. If you're interested, I have a new Porsche that's not out yet. Would would you like to check it out? He's in the car. He said yes. He goes, that's a Boxster, and I go, yeah. He goes, I bought one of those for my mom, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> it's not it's not a bastion of car guy cred. Right, right. Um, but then he said, I'd like to buy another one. Can you introduce me to the guy? No. But then I tried to. I I don't. You know, I don't want to be too star fucky, and uh, but I'm a fan of Guy, and and Carl always said such nice things that I was, you know, trying to be social or whatever, and and um, we talked cars and watches like a little bit, like for two minutes, but we're sitting at lunch, and Opie gets a text from Guy with a picture of a computer screen with my fucking face on it, and he goes, hey, you know, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He's like, I can. He goes, I can totally relate. He's like a normal car guy, and I was like, Yes, you see, guy. I am. That, that's awesome. That was, I, and so then I, he said, uh, Where are you? You coming over? So I guess, I guess we got to go over there. So we're going there. Uh, and I got to pick up a, a bottle of tequila. Cool. Wait, you got Japanese whiskey for him, right? I, I, uh, Carl. It has nothing to do with Carl. I have a Japanese whiskey that I like, and I brought guy, guy a bottle because he was potentially inviting me. He didn't even invite me I, because I was showing up at his home uninvited. That's why. <laughs> That's why I bought the bottle, and then I forgot to give it to him yesterday because we were in a hurry, and I'm dumb. And I, I got to bring a bottle, so I want to go get the uh, Anejo uh, Heredora Tequila okay. Red Label, and the significance of that is... Um, before I started the podcast, I was trying out this concept with Carl by doing. Oh my God, this turn, bro! We're going. 45. Oh, that's yeah, that's great. <sighs> I'm such a whip. I'm sorry. You're such a whip. But I explained why at the I beginning know. of this. At least I was being honest. There's no intersection. My stupid to heart. My, <laughs> but my stupid heart goes up into my throat. I'm embarrassed that I'm a, such a wimp about it's this. So funny. Because there's things, you know, that I'm really brave about. And then something like this that I, I guess it's safe because it seems like you got skill. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Why don't now you we're in a car commercial all why of a sudden. Why don't you redeem Now yourself? you're so excited that Guy Fieri likes you that now you're going to show off. I'm in fourth gear at 2,200 RPM. Okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's more the turns. Anyway. We're fine. Um, we're totally So fine. I started off the... Uh, you know the the concept by doing Facebook Lives, and one of the places me and Carl really liked going was Guy Fieri's restaurant in Times Square. It was a great place; it really was. Just for and, the content, like just because the people watching was crazy. Well, I mean, we would just sit there on Facebook Live and just you know uh, interact with uh, people and just you know be silly like we did with the podcast. Look at this guy. And, this guy's got a pair of balls right here, oh riding God. a riding a, a bicycle with a full pack and bags attached yeah. to the bike. Yeah. On PCH in the rain. So here's a here's a good Carl story. So I order a margarita. You know we're gonna sit and uh, do Facebook Live. So let's have a cocktail. 
And and also the lady's like, what kind of tequila? I'm like, ah, I just want a margarita. And Carl shakes his head, <laughs> immediately goes, jumps into action, and says, get him the Anejo Aradora tequila. It's a it's a great sipping tequila, by the way. It's almost it's almost a sin to put it in into a margarita. Um, and it's is the it, and it's the red label. Alcohol? Yeah, it's darker. Yeah. I think it's aged in like uh, bourbon barrels. And um, so that's what I want to bring to Guy as sort of a hey man, you know, Carl turned me on to this tequila. Thanks for having us at your home. Can Hope you, you enjoy this tequila. Places? Huh? Can you find it at normal places? Uh, we, we, uh, that's our goal. Okay, that's our goal when we get back to um, Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa. Santa, I. Did you? Ex- I kind of expected Santa Rosa to be a little nicer than his. Like his ranch is, not the ranch. I've never been there, but his house is ill. Yeah, yeah. Extremely ill. But the town. Hang on a minute. What are we looking at right there? That's an old uh, no, no, boat. No, 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 hold, hold, hold. Oh wow, that's not an old boat. That is. Oh, that. There's a car under that a, a cover. That is a 19. Come on, what? You're, you're well, that's a. You can only see literally. It's a Ferrari. Okay. It's a. It looks like a Ferrari. It's either a Ferrari 275 or 330 GTS or possibly a Maserati Mexico, but I don't think they made those as a convertible. It could be a Maserati 3500 convertible. It's under a cover, but with that, I can only see pretty much a, a, a foot of it. I saw a, a red. Red paint, Rosso Corsa. I saw Barani wire wheels, and I saw quad exhaust tips in the style of the mid '60s Ferrari GT. And you know what? I saw all that too, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I, I did. I, I'm, I'm impressed that you uh, saw the same thing I did. This is uh, <laughs> so uh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, but Santa Rosa itself isn't that great of a, a town. It's really small, and it it, it seemed a little. Parts of it a little sketchy and a little methy. Yeah, a little sketch. I think the in town, the in town parts were not great. And, but, we're, and we're staying at the high uh, Regency, and um, they got bikes. And I go, hey man, you got a bike trail? He's like, yeah, right behind the Hyatt. But uh, we have a lot of transients that live back there, so you got to be really careful. But but it's a great bike path. Okay, so just don't slow down. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like the movie Speed. If you go under fifty. You're gonna get mugged. So yeah. You gotta go full. Yeah, they're gonna grab my leg and, and, and pull me under. <laughs> um, but but I went to breakfast at a place called like uh, the Omelets Omelet Express or something like that, and you know I couldn't help but notice, but every person working there that wasn't like the Hispanic cooks was a very attractive uh, late teens, early twenties girl, very attractive. But, and I noticed this because I'm a man and we notice these things. But then also, I was like, what kind of a shop only hires staff that look like this? And then you were with, you ran into me outside and met the owner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he has uh, his staff chained in the basement of his house when they're not waitresses. For real, man. He looked like a pimp, like a white older pimp. He was wearing like a tie dye blazer with like a. A t-shirt underneath it. Sure. And he gave off just this this Gary Glitter vibe. It was like really bad. It was really weird. Do you know about the Gary Glitter controversy with the movie The Joker? I heard you talk about it? Or didn't you? Did you was it you? 
Well, everyone is outraged because in the Joker they use rock and roll. I think it's rock and roll part one. Oh, I read it on your Twitter. Hey, you know that song, which is an awesome sports anthem. Oh, you mean the song they play at every baseball and football and basketball game ever? Well, when they learned that Gary Glitter was a bad, bad boy, a lot of places stopped playing that song. But then they New York. (laughs) No, they started slowly bringing it back, and in the Joker. I haven't seen the movie, but I saw that scene, and 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 it works perfectly as the as the you know, uh, it just it just goes with the movie. Excuse me, uh, but people are so outraged that Gary Glitter is going to get money because they're playing that song in the Joker, and I'm like, oh, I, and I'm like, I could I could separate the two. I think he's a fucking terrible person, a creep, but guess what? But the song's kind of cool. I'm with you. I, and I don't know how much uh, I, don't I don't know how much he money should. he would actually get it and and uh, yeah is he in prison and royalties I don't know and you know maybe he does maybe all the money from his royalty, royalties goes to somewhere you know uh, something something is else he at this still point alive dude I don't even know if he's alive still I have no idea I don't man. know I, and if if he is I don't I don't care if he gets. Sixty dollars for his fucking song being in the Joker. I don't really care. Yeah, people. I are, care that he's not touching kids anymore. Yeah, that's what I care. I, about. Yes, that's exactly right. Bad. Yeah, as long as he's really not care. touching kids, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck. But people lose their mind on social media because most uh, of the people that are acting up about this whole issue, I, I guarantee if you really sat him down and had a beer with him or whatever, they'd be like, "Yeah, I don't care either. I'm just looking for attention." That seems that's a fucking reach. I mean, there's a there there are to me. A lot of very legitimate things to be outraged about <laughs> that are going on right now in our world. Like, as long as Gary Glitter's not put in a position to touch more kids, I think we could probably let that one go. What you shouldn't be able to do is re-victimize. Yeah, of course. You know, like if Louis wants to do comedy, is my opinion, Louis should can get material, put his name on a marquee, and sell tickets to a Louis show. But if you're going to see somebody else, and Louis drops in by surprise then you could be annoyed if he does material that's fucking creepy you know what I mean like I think that's kind of fair you didn't you didn't put yourself in that situation voluntarily yeah I mean they still play Michael Jackson's music and I'm convinced he's a pedophile I I don't know for sure I wasn't around when he was touching those those kids but everything I've read and saw in those documentaries I'm, I'm convinced I'm convinced that he had a kink but they're still. But they're not going to yank Michael Jackson uh, music uh, oh, off the radio anytime soon. By, that vehicle that just went by is called an Earth Roamer, and it's like a half a million dollar, go anywhere, do anything, just ridiculous off-road, all-terrain thing. Um, are we back in this town? What is this? The I uh, want to go to the cheese shop. <laughs> you want to go to the cheese shop? Fuck yeah! I want to go to the fucking cheese shop. You thought I was kidding? I am not. No, it's the next town. Oh my god! I, you're like. You're a, a car guy, and uh, you, you look you look a bit on the tough side, and I'm the wimp in this car right now. I'm the bitch, for real, and, and you want to stop for cheese. I mean, look where we are. Like, if you live in the middle of nowhere like this, it's beautiful, but it's remote, and you open a cheese shop, like, that's such a specialty thing to do, and people go to it, it must be great. That place isn't going to sell crappy cheese. Look where they are. Kind of, what kind of cheese do you like? Fucking all cheese, dude. I brought back so I when I went to Europe over my over my honeymoon, I brought back like ten kilos of aged pecorino romano <laughs> in my checked bag. <laughs> and I tried to break one of those big wheels like they toss pasta in. Yeah. Because if you go over there, they're surprisingly cheap. 
it was $275 for one of those giant wheels. And they didn't have a vacuum sealing machine big enough to vacuum seal it so I could bring it home. Wow, look at this. Fucking Sonoma, bro. This is so great. This, this country We're in the middle fine. of wine country right now. This is, reminds me. We're talking Wait. about Tuscan cheese. This is literally... This you know, throw some olive trees in here, and this is what Tuscany looks like. You had to say olives. What's wrong with olives? I used to drive uh, Carl nuts. I hate olives. Oh, me too. No, I actually don't hate olives. I hate the taste of olives, and I, I like saying it that oil. way because I want to bother people out there. Olives. I went is that to Long Island. Does it have? Has no, it's just saying a word, oh. hopefully in a funny way, but oh. then it drives people nuts. It's one of my talents. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I went to Greece and I went to Athens and. You know, you spend uh, a week in the Greek islands in Athens, you'll yeah. get sick of olives too. Because <laughs> that's all they fucking talk about is their olives and their olive trees. In Italy, they don't fuck with the olives as much. It's really about the, excuse me, the olive oil. Yeah. And it is so much better than anything I've had anywhere else. I shipped multiple cases of olive oil home. And it's fucking so next level. The Tuscan cooking, they use less of everything and then like eight times as much olive oil and salt it's great are you freaking out right now you i can i can i can actually sense you're freaking out from the wet road oh yeah i think it is the wet road but i'm you know i don't i like i told you during lunch when we're having the oysters i i i need more knowledge and then maybe i would be able to relax and calm down you know because i i don't I never do this. I never get in a sports car by myself or with anybody else and go for a real what you s- sporty ride like this. Yeah. If we get you out on a racetrack with a professional driver who could show you, like, look, look how much grip this tire actually has. You know what I mean? Look how hard you can actually take this corner. I think once you had an understanding of where that line was, you'd realize, like, just how far below that line we are right now. What's freaking me out for real is the deer crossing signs. <laughs> well, I mean, the deer do know to cross there, so that's the good news. You should, right. you should really pay attention to that. Well, have you ever had a deer dart out in oh, front yeah. of you? It oh, is yeah. so scary. A guy I went to high school with, his dad was killed by a moose, hit a moose with his car, and it killed him. Wow. It went through, like, you know, you take out the legs and it goes through the windshield. It yeah. was like one of those. Yeah. Oh, that, that's wonderful. That's what I need to know. Great. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think they have those here. I think they're okay. My second grade teacher got decapitated in Canada. Fuck out of here, really? Yeah, by a, a snowplow. Oh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, for, he got in a car, right? Or, oh, yeah, yeah, in a car, uh, you know. I don't, I don't know the details. I mean, that, that was told to us, told to our little, uh, tiny little developing brains. They gave you the we were too young to understand that. They didn't just say killed in a car accident? Oh, no, they gave no, you, no, your second grade teacher got decapitated. Oh, maybe what's that story? Like the green scarf or whatever you listen to when you take the green scarf and the girl's head falls off. It's like that. Yeah, you know. Isn't that what it was, the green scarf? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like a story you read when you're a kid. Oh. I think it's like about this woman who walks around with this green scarf and they always ask her why she's wearing it. And eventually someone gets her to take her off and it turns out it was holding her head on. She takes off the scarf and her head falls off. Oh, that's just that's just wonderful. That's... Uh... That's great. I think we've gone off the rails here. Is it time to kill this show? <laughs> no, I, that's when you get the best stuff. No, I could turn this off so we oh. could uh, enjoy the ride. We might come back. If not, you'll... It's all right. We're going to go... Well, oh, let's... Uh, well, we got to get the, the tequila. Valley Ford Road right here. That Valley Ford Road. Is that where your that's, cheese is? Yes, that's where the cheese is. All right, I might turn it back off for the cheese. 
Wow, the gate is open, so we are driving into Guy Fieri's, um, I guess we call it a uh, estate. It's an estate. It's an estate. Uh, we are invited to his uh, his party to kind of christen his new home. I got the tequila that we I talked remem- about on the podcast. I remembered the Japanese whiskey. And you God. got your Japanese whiskey, and you almost uh, had a head-on collision with uh, this lovely lady. Uh all right. Wow, a lot of cars here. Yeah, it's popping I, off right now. It's a all right. Um, oh, oh my God, look at this. Oh my God, this. Wow, it's like popping off, popping off. Oh dude. no, this is gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a party, brother. Looks like it's gonna be a party. So, all right, you know what? <laughs> I think Opie was like, oh, maybe we'll just pop in and go home soon, and I, I this might be a party. There's at least a hundred cars here. I don't know about that, but there's at least 50 or 60. Oh, and there's there's Gloria. Hi. Running a little Range Rover while she's Good in California. Her. Good for her. Treat yourself, Gloria. She must have sold one of Carl's watches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Gloria. I'm joking. She's going to hear this. I'm joking. That's uh, cold as ice and probably totally accurate. No, come on. <laughs> stop. Don't do that. Let's go to Guy's house. Let's give him these bottles. Uh, Let's uh, yeah, thank him for his hospitality. And, uh, yeah. you know. and I also want to thank uh, Matt Farrer from The Smoking Tire. He was like, uh, you know, he he, uh, he did a lot while we were up here in California, obviously. Uh, did a lot of podcasts and, and did a lot of hanging out. So And that was your chauffeur. And, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed the ride in the Porsche in the end. I really did, for real. Nice? Yeah, it's it, a nice it was really car, nice. So I think this is where we say goodbye, guys, because we got to do a little private time and chill. I hope you enjoyed uh, all the podcasts from uh, California. Let's go enjoy Casa Fieri. Yeah, we're going to enjoy that. And uh, we'll see you on the next Opie Radio podcast. Thanks for listening. Hello. Dramatic sound of a car door slamming. And sleep. My California trip is about to come to an end. I just left Guy Fietti's housewarming party. And now I'm getting uh, driven back to the hotel before I fly tomorrow morning back to New York City with the lead singer of uh, Sophista Funk. What's up, everyone? I'm Jack Brown from Sophista Funk. And uh, right now, I'm the taxi driver. We're getting... We're heading our way out to uh, the hotel in Santa Rosa. I had a good night. You're the one that, uh, you're the last person I see here in California before I uh, fly back to New York, man. I had such a fucking great time. Guy Fieri's uh, housewarming party was simply amazing. And I had to do an Irish exit. And, bro, you, you fucking hooked me up, man, because I had to get out of there. Because all of a sudden, guys looking at me, and he didn't think I was having enough fun. So he gave me an ultimatum. Uh, people started uh, jump, jumping in his pool naked. Uh, his old school friends, and he's like, "All right, oh!" And he stopped the party, stopped the music, and everything. He said, "Oh, you got, you got two choices. You can either get completely na- naked and jump in my pool, or you got to do ten shots." Uh, and I was well on my way to the ten shots, and then I, I looked at you because guy got a little distracted. I'm like, "Listen, bro, you got to get me the fuck out of here." Speaking to the public, Opie was a piece of meat in the Serengeti. <laughs> They had their sights on them. Oh, man. The lions. 
the cougars, they all were looking at him, and I felt bad. He was like a baby wildebeest out there, and um, they had their claws on him, and, and, and the lions got a little bored with their meat for a second. Yeah. And they, they, they roamed away, and, uh, you know, he made his move, and he made it back into the jungle. So, congrats. You're, well, you're alive. Well, barely, though, because Guy's uh, number one security guy, who I, I'm now friends with him as well, he... Uh, we were pulling out of the... Oh, he got caught. Yeah, yeah we, we were we pulling busted. out... We got busted. We were pulling out of the ranch, and next thing you know, his head pops up out of nowhere, out of a shrub or something, and said, you guys you guys are fucking leaving. But then he gave me the pass, bro. You saw that, right? And, you know, he had a... He, he got caught at the gate, but he had to make some moves, schmooze it a little, take a little of that East Coast charm to him. And, uh, you know, bottom line is, the only reason you ever want to leave, guys, is because the party never ends. The right. dude is such a sweetheart, an awesome dude, but... When he's in the mode right now, where it's party time, he wants all the homies close. Especially, you know, big ups to Carl. And, and you know, this ride home is a big full circle for a lot of that. So, you know, and, and few people love Carl as much as Guy and as much as Opie. I'll tell you that. So, you know, to have them together was really special. And it was a great weekend. But he's still raging. And uh, this guy, I knew if he had a couple more shots in it, first of all, you wouldn't be here in this podcast. Second of all... Uh, it wouldn't be good for people, so we, I'm, I'm glad we got you alive and well. And uh, you rule, bro. How, yeah. how, how do you uh, how do you know Guy uh, Fieri? Um, we've been playing uh, his birthday party and shows and private shows for him and shows for all his friends and around the country for about seven years. Uh, our keyboard player owns a waffle restaurant in Syracuse, New York called Funkin' Waffles. It's a crazy famous spot where they put insane things in the waffles, and it got on uh, Donner's Drives and Dies and became like a big one on that and. We played on the show as a band, Sophistafunk, and ended up meeting Guy. And basically, the producers were like, You gotta check this band out. They're actually good. You like them. So he got our CD and he's listening to it and he's banging through a whole bunch of songs and enjoying it. But then he caught this one lyric that was in an interlude that I had said to you earlier today. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, basically, I, I stared into my grandma's eyes and asked her why she had to die. She couldn't answer because the cancer made her agonize. So on a dragonfly, she tagged a ride into the afterlife. And that line really resonated with him and and somebody who had passed that was very close to him, who was known as Dragonfly. And it was a really special moment with, that he was like, it's a sign. I got to hit up this band. They are so like on my level like with everything, music and the vibe. And next thing you know, he hit us up and we're out in his party and we don't know what to expect. No. We're thinking it's going to be like all Hollywooded out. No, this dude, same wife and kids, same house, same, literally everything. From before he was famous, closest friends around him, cool people. If there were famous people there, they were super down to earth. And these parties were just the hang, man, for years. And, you know, one day, a man named Carl Ruiz showed up at one of those parties. And, you know, letting him in, that, in those doors was just the perfect fit because... He is just the most sincere down to earth, you know, to anyone who's ever met him once. I, he'll treat everybody with that same grain of respect. And that's what's just been bouncing through my head, you know, looking back on all these great years we've had together. I mean, that was about five years ago. And, and Carl is is a friend and, you know, a f- friend for life. And and I'm honored to be here with you sending him off like this, man. It, it, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to everybody out there to be part of this. Uh, it was a hell of a weekend, man. Uh, I got to say, Guy did Carl proud, man. I, I mean, the the amount of love and respect that Guy showed Carl uh, this weekend, it was off the charts. I, I mean, no one will come close to, to doing what Guy did for, for Carl to make sure his life uh, was celebrated to the max. 
and you know the legacy lives on with his show and I'm telling you that's when it really hit was coming around the corner at that show and 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 seeing that building which they kept alive with so much of their energy of best friends you know the great tandems the great crews you and you know you and Carl on the radio it just it's that natural throwing alley-oops stocked in the Malone you know it's just a natural you know great movies they always want the the lead actor and actress to date so that it could it's real so it's bubbling yeah. I mean Guy and Carl on that show what you'll never see is the hours of them filming it and joking around with each other keeping everybody engaged and that's this it, it speaks to it all that he brought life to everywhere he went love it and, and he'll live on that's for sure with all the all the people that he touched in uh, you know in all these years and I got all these new friends because of Carl. It's unbelievable. And I'm, these guys are not fake, you know, oh, half-assed I, friends. I have, I have no doubt. We showed mind. up there, and they were like, yeah. yo, we've had 20 seasons in the show. We've had, like, 10 people from it come to the house. Once you're in, you're in. Like, I never, I couldn't understand. I thought we were going to the entertainment or the band. We didn't know what to expect. We came into a family. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is a, and that family is bigger than just his crew. There are people out there, some who don't get to see each other too much, and it's like a big network of us that, you know, it's like the guard is down. We're, we're humans. We're all here together hanging out. And I think that's just so crucial for everybody right now and a big lesson that we can think of when we're thinking back on Carl and what he brought to our lives. Right on, brother. Can you, um, can you play the first few seconds of your, your new song that you're working on? Yo, I can't. Be no, just the first, like, ten seconds. You're get me in trouble. With who? Just to open your heart part because I think it's fucking cool. Like, literally the first ten seconds and then I'll stop it. All right. Because these... My audience needs needs to know how fucking good you guys are. And this is a song in, in progress, and we're literally only going to play, like, the first 10 or 15 seconds. I'll tell you when to stop it. It's oh, when, oh, you'll tell me? Well, cause, no. Cause, I'll tell you when to stop it. <laughs> there you go. No, I would, I would love for you to play the whole thing, even though it's not a finished song yet. It's not even done being... We don't even add all the turn, elements to it. Turn that shit up oh, right now for 10 seconds. For 10 seconds. A little taste. For everybody, because I know I got you all juiced up on it. Your endorphins are pumping. Right there you now. go. This is Sophistifunk. I, I, I had to get him going. He had those shots in him, and I was like, all right, we're, we're, we're going to turn this to the next level. Open up your heart. Open up your mind Stop reaching for something that's already there The answer is waiting on the other side Alright That's it, that's all you get uh, And how do they get a hold of you on, on the old sh- uh, social media? Social media, you can check us out We're called Sophistafunk on Instagram Sophistafunk underscore underscore On Twitter it's SophistafunkMY We represent New York State And uh Grew up working in Brooklyn, and we live in Syracuse, New York. And that's where we rep. And um, yeah, you can find us YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, all that goodness. Uh, Sophista Funk. And, and yeah, we've been you know playing shows coast to coast, out to Europe, and uh, just keeps on growing. We got a cool vibe. We mix some hip hop and live funk and jam elements and electronic music. We played at a festival called Electric Forest, and uh, ever since then, it just keeps on growing. So keep it rocking. More importantly, thanks for the fucking ride back to the hotel. I had to escape that. It was going to get really, really ugly. All right, man. Uh, this is our exit. So that's it for my California trip. It was unbelievable. I, I mean, wow. I, I don't know what else to say. I think we said it all. I think we uh, celebrated Carl's life. And, uh, you know, the it, guy is going to be, uh, the guy is absolutely going to be missed. Um, and, and I'm trying to, like, you know me. I'm always trying to put a, a freaking bow on this perfect, shit. But you know it. what I'm saying? 
I'm thinking of Carl. I'm thinking of everybody out there and, and what we're doing next. And, you know, people are looking for answers. We and, and one thing I just want to bring up is we got to appreciate the people we have in our lives while they're here. You know, period. We we are blessed to be here for whatever reason. We've all gone through a lot of things, a lot of trauma. We're breaking cycles of trauma, all of us right now together. And we're using humor and friendship and family and, and these kind of ways to cope and come together. And I just want to say appreciate the people in your life. Appreciate the good people in your life. Take a lesson from Ruiz and be in the moment, enjoy it, and also take a lesson from his life because this man had so much more he could have done and, and we all wish we still had him. So, you know, you think about your own life and put it all in perspective and appreciate it and, uh, you know, much love from us to you. You know, it's been a long journey, but, we, but we'll never forget this moment and the, the friends we meet along the way. Wow. Well said, brother. Well said. All right. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to leave you hanging a little... A little. Uh, Is that a freaking bow on it? Ah, uh, you put a bow on it. Right. A little sound from uh, Guy Fieri's housewarming party. It was quite the bash. <laughs> we have a phone. I'm sure that his battery. How you doing? Uh, this is Guy, and I'm here. And uh, Opie is just getting ready. He's into his uh, second shot of Fernet. And he has an option. Paul Thompson, what's his options? Well, option A is to keep taking more and more Fernet until we're uh, done with it. You know, once we're done with it, we have a second bottle of Fernet for him to try. Here's the guy that just jumped in the pool to get the Saints helmet. How are you, Brian? Oh, I am absolutely lovely. You look lovely. You know what? And I have to, you know, I have to say... The Coors Light is not what does it. It is the Santos Tequila. <laughs> Another fantastic episode of uh, Opie Live uh, brought to you by Santo. Um, so uh, where are you at? What, what shot is this? This is like five, right? I think this is... So it's have been waiting five weeks for you to drink number two. So is this, uh, is this a pool party? Well, it's going to turn into a pool party if he doesn't fucking drink it. Oh, is that All what right. happens? Huh? <laughs> there we go. My mom's taking pictures. My mom's chronicling uh, today's events. So it's five. I like to get wet. It's. Wow. A lot of shots being fired from the uh, Sophistifunk crew. Sophistifunk crew. Do you have a Sophistifunk rap on getting wet? Back to how many shots? How many Fernet shots before you go in the pool? Well, he's only done about a half of one right now. <laughs> But, uh, oh, the shot oh. glass is missing. Uh, and then a big call in from Gloria. Gloria, did you get the shot glass? Oh, absolutely. The official uh, shot meter. Yeah, he hasn't had any yet. Where did the shot glass go? Ouch. Shots fired. Shots. Oh. Don't, don't break that, by the way. That's a commemorative glass. This is actually commemorative. Uh, there you go. This so this is uh, going to, we're going, what's our record we're going for? 10? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if I can get everybody's attention. Opie wants to make a challenge for himself. It's kind of like a, uh, a telethon, right? So Opie says he's going to do how many shots before he goes in the pool? Uh, ten? Ten yeah! shots! Ten shots! And then he that was the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say. It just doesn't get any better here, folks. We're live. <laughs> yeah, we're live, all right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Where am I sleeping tonight? In the chalet Reno. Somebody give me a roll of Bisquane. And some Tums. What's the score of the game? This is going good for you. (laughs) It's going good for me. Thanks, (laughs) 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 (laughs)
You might need a bucket. We know you're oh. used to shooting them with Carl, but I'm so well, glad you're here for the week. <laughs> hey, where's your podcast now? Oh, he's on. <laughs> Oh, is this for real? Yeah. No, it's not. This is not real shit. Oh, it's real. <laughs> oh, no, that's it's as real funny. as you jump it in the Three. water. Three. <laughs> Three. We'll let him take a break right well, now. Well, as we break. all know, we'll let him take a break. tuning in right now, we all know that Opie's going to do 10 or he's getting in the pool with all his clothes on. Oh, Absolutely. 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 All I got to say is, first of all, oh, oh that's you, Opie. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, you got to use both hands. Welcome. Thank Great you, guys. Yeah, then we'll take a break. <laughs> it's like the doctor administering medicine. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, we're having a good time at Guy Fieri's house, warming party. You know how much Carl loved that voice. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be passed out in another hour. Talk to you soon. <laughs>